This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Monday, the 17th of July, 2023. Today it's time for coffee and a chat. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hello, everybody. Hi, Sean Priest. How are you today? Nervous, Stephen Scott. Very nervous. Why? The, uh, well, the phrase, you know, we need a chat. I, I don't like that. It sounds like I'm about to get a written warning. I'm I, uh, slightly scared. I actually think you must have been up in front of the headmaster a lot at school. Yes. Or headmistress, uh, sexist. <laughs> that is true. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a bit of a tough weekend for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Um, but you know what? I have been comforted by all these wonderful messages I've been getting from you lovely people. Not you, obviously. Priest. Me. Uh, but from our lovely audience, who are the most beautiful audience in the history of Radio Land ever. They are beautiful physically and mentally and personality-wise. They are gorgeous. Thank you so much. Unlike the hosts. Um, well, speak for yourself. I, I am gorgeous, as we all know. No, you're not. You told me you were physically r- grotesque. That was <laughs> your audio description of yourself. <laughs> uh, but listen, I want to play, I'm only going to play one message. I've got lots of lovely messages, but I want to play this one from Eleanor, who I sent this in the other night. Hi, Stephen, it's Eleanor. I just wanted to say how sorry I was to hear about your Google dog. People who have never had a dog just don't get it. I lost my last died dog during the first lockdown and only began to come to terms with it when Norris came into my life. Eventually, you will be able to remember all the fun times you had with him without it hurting so much. But in the meantime, look after each other. And be kind to yourself. I just wanted you and your wife to know I'm thinking about you both. Bye. Thanks so much, Eleanor. That means a lot. And I want to say thank you to you and to everybody who has sent in a message, either on Twitter or Mastodon or email or voicemail. I just just want to say thank you because it means a lot to myself and my wife. Uh, it, it means a lot what you've said, and uh, yeah, we're 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 getting there. We we actually decided at the weekend we would go for some retail therapy to uh, to help us. I don't know what that means is. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> basically, it's some funny. department store get emptied. Uh, but... You rang me and said. <laughs> I've been parked up outside, so I thought I'd ring you. <laughs> I was parked up outside a clothing store. My wife was uh, raiding that. Legally, I should add. I mean, she didn't pay for everything. Um, but, but then we went to the electronics store afterwards, and I bought, wait for it, are you ready for this? I bought nothing. Breaking news. Breaking news. What's the matter, Stephen? Something truly is wrong. You bought nothing. <laughs> Well, it's funny because when, when you were parked <laughs> up outside and you said, actually, I'm outside an Apple shop. And um, yes. I said, well, go in then. Enjoy yourself. There's nothing I need. No. I was I was floored. I thought, oh, okay, something's not quite right here. No, I didn't. I, I tell you something else that's even more shocking. I didn't go to KFC. Breaking wow. news. Breaking news. There was one that, next to the, not quite next to the Apple store, but very near. I didn't, didn't go there either. This has been even... quite a weekend for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I believe I'm growing as a man. I believe You're I'm amongst growing. friends. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the electronic store you went in, I know you said you were going to look because you did break a keyboard uh, <laughs> over the last week. So I, I did the, Hang on. I didn't break a keyboard. Yes, you did. Keys fell off. How did keyboard. they fall off? I think the noise that you made that, 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 to, when to I shoved describe... it into the shelf. And... Oh, yes. <laughs> what was the noise again? <laughs> Yeah, that yes, kind of noise. Like, like a machine gun noise. Yeah, so that was all the keys coming off as you were shoving it onto a shelf. Um, I think you did break it. Yeah, so you didn't get a new keyboard while you were there. I, I looked at a couple. There was one by a company called Corsair. Now, I think, are they not part of, is it Elgato or? Was it oh, are they? These? Corsair's so. been going a long time, initially with PC memory, but they've been doing they do right. their own systems now. They do coolers. Yeah. Uh, but they had a nice little keyboard, and it was actually quite nice because it had um, quiet clicky keys. If that makes any sense. So no. you can press the key down, but you won't even hear it press. Um, but 
at the same good. time. You can press the key down. Why? You can. It's, That's it's, novel. It's the, honestly, these keyboards are so clever these Why days. Why are you obsessed with mechanical? Please explain. I do well, not get it at all. I'll be honest. I think it's because the mechanical lineup is getting a bit more exciting than your traditional lineup. You know, the traditional keyboard lineup, with the exception, I would say, of the Logitech MX keys, which I'll probably end up just buying one of those again. Um, yes. I, I will say I think that that's probably the only non-mechanical keyboard out there that's actually exciting. Everything else, you know, a lot of the feature sets. Exciting? The, what are you looking for? Well, I mean, you get a lot more options with a, with a mechanical nowadays because you've got, you know, buttons that you can assign for different macros. You've got volume knobs. You've got, you know, all kinds of funny things. Even lighting <laughs> if you want all that. How often do you use those extra keys? Never. But Never. that's not the point. Oh, oh sorry. The okay, point is I have not. the choice. Oh, I, I like see. the volume. I will say that Logitech um, keyboard I've got. I'm starting to think I'm just going to raid that cupboard for the keys. They must be around there somewhere. Me and Ira can spend you, an hour trying to find these key caps. Can you ever get them back on again, though? I mean, I, don't I, think I know it matters, does it? I mean, as long as it fits. No, oh, oh no, it definitely matters because either they feel spongy or you press it and it'll suddenly fly off. Ping! Uh, I've, mm. I've tried to fix so many keyboards like that, but. I know there is a difference, though. Some keycaps are meant to be replaceable, and in more expensive keyboards, that is the case. So, yeah, you may be able to save it. Well, I actually did see on on that store called, you know, Amazon. <laughs> so I couldn't be bothered trying to <laughs> well find a way around it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a cryptic clue. But I thought I, I can't be yeah, rainforest. Yes. Um, you know, big rainforest shop. Everyone um, knows. <laughs> Uh, you can buy keycaps for it. There are you can go out and oh, buy well, keycaps, so that's an option. But uh, there may not be the right ones, and I can't be bothered trying to figure it all out. Well, I, but anyway, you know, no, the point I was know, making no. was there was okay, no. Hang on, it. there was a key, no, there was an option there on that keyboard for it was like a big kind of rotating bar at the top right, and you could use that as a volume control. And I actually found that really useful. I like that. What? What? Not like a, not like a knob, about? right? Not like a knob you can turn. But instead, yes. it was like it rolled, you know? No. Like a scroll wheel on a mouse? Um, Kind of, but longer. Oh. It's like a big, I think long what you've got there scroll is, wheel. Is the Fisher-Price My First Keyboard, <laughs> does it also have a mirror on it and a thing that crackles like a crisp packet? And if you press certain, if you press the keys on the numpad... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly it. That is exactly what happened. Very good. Now, you know what? There's one called the Logitech Craft that I was looking at for a long time, and it's got this sort of jog wheel in the top left-hand corner. Yes, yep. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could use that for audio editing and that. You can, apparently. No, uh, At least not in Audacity. Other software, yes, you probably could. Um, but I know you could use that also for volume. I thought, actually, that's probably the only use that I would use something like that for. Because well, I always... yeah, because the problem is that some of these you can assign them you can assign different commands per application. So you can yes. see in this application, it can do this. And I know the MX keys can do that. But um, I, I just, I, I do wonder sometimes how much of this you you would actually use. And, you know, it, it's interesting because with the, the sort of Elgato stream decks and those kind of kits, for, for mainly for gamers, but I know a lot of content creators use them yeah. for different things. You know, they are extremely visual. I mean, yes, you could, you could set one up, and I have considered setting one up with, you know, Braille dots on it so I can assign a key and I could just feel my way to the right button and then I wouldn't have a situation where I'm trying to, you know, play something in here and I end up doing Mr. that. You know, God bless you, Mr. F. I don't want to be doing that. You know, I want to be hitting the right one, you know. Sorry, yes. Mr. F. But, um, That's always the right one. Of course. But I think the problem is they're so visual and especially with something like the Stream Deck, the whole point of the Stream Deck is you can layer commands. You can have a button that's yes. a folder and you could have another pile of buttons in there. So it's so visual. And I think there was a time when I got one where my vision was a bit better. I could maybe enjoy it, but the software is inaccessible, and you just think, why bother? Why That's bother with any of this? Pain. So I actually, was... I've maybe just taught myself out the whole idea. I just want well a simple done. keyboard. That's it. I'll just go and get a <laughs> Lenovo keyboard. Even as the a Dell keyboard, someone's chucking out from you know buying a desktop computer. Remember, you used to get those Dell computer yes. keyboards that were in yes. there. They were, yes, they were great keyboards, by the way. They were nice. I must yeah. admit, terrible color though, beige or something, weren't they? I had a grey one once. I know, but they picked up the dirt. I mean, the ones oh, I yeah. used to get in the offices after you know fifteen years, and they were just oh, good, oh, gross. I know. I know. Um, it's I, like the keys were spongy for a different reason. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. The um, <laughs> I, I was looking at that smart actions as well. I talked about a couple of episodes ago. The Logitech mm. smart actions, a new feature in Logitech Options Plus for Logitech keyboards. Did I say that enough? 
Um, everyone just puts the word plus at the end of something these days, don't they? It's just that, well, what does yes, it even no, mean? It doesn't mean anything. Plus oh, at plus. the end, smart at the beginning. Double uh, tap covered. plus. There you go. What does that mean? I have no idea, but let's put it at the end of something. I created a really long and uh, deep um, smart action, right? Created a virtual desktop, put up all my, for a specific program I was working on, put up all the things I would needed, all the assets. Glorious. I missed one action out that I needed oh, no. further up the action. There is no accessible way to reorder. Oh. So you can add an action at the end and say, actually, I need that at part two or you know, action two or action three. It was driving me crazy. And again, it's those little things that make, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting emotional. Yeah, it's Look, quite a sad moment for you. Yeah. The, the, you can't reorder. The, the, Hang on, the, what I've gone through the last three days and you're complaining because you can't reorder I, some yeah, items on a page? Yeah. Have you heard I, about I, a desktop? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, I shouldn't have to. This is just simply just you know, ill-thought-out accessibility. And this is the problem with the Logitech software. Yeah, but what, you, what you're it. experiencing is accidental accessibility, right? Uh, yes, yes. You're not yes, experiencing absolutely. something that was designed to be accessible. It oh, wasn't. no. You've got to navigate the hell out of that thing. Yeah. I'm going to navigate you to an inch of your life to find <laughs> the pop-up that's just suddenly popped up. It doesn't automatically jump to it. You know, you've got to go to the end of the universe and then back around to find the pop-up that's just popped up. It's it's annoying because this software is really powerful and really useful. And yet for no other reason than it's just not being thought about, accessibility means it's much more hard work than it needs to be. Sorry, I just got on my uh, high horse there. Carry no, on. No, that's quite right. I was struggling to hear you with your altitude problem. Thank um, you. But uh, we got there. <laughs> uh, right, listen, we were supposed to be somewhere today. We were not supposed to be sitting here in our uh, respective <gasps> uh, studios and sheds. No. Uh, we were supposed to be at Site Village in Birmingham. Alabama? But, uh, no, no. Uh, oh. This one's in England. Uh, yeah, I don't think there is a Site Village. I got the wrong train ticket. Okay. <laughs> And I know why it costs so much. I know British trains cost a lot of money, but it did feel a little bit excessive, I'll be honest. And that was standard class. But uh, yeah, so you've got uh, Site Village happening right now in England, uh, Birmingham, which is a big event this week. And it actually does a number of things because you've got the chance to go there and you can see lots of different, uh, you know, uh, types of Braille displays or, you know, the kind of Braille kit. Like we were saying with the conventions, you know, a place you can go and actually get hands on with some of the equipment you would never be able to in a standard electronics store. You can't go to Best Buy and test this stuff. So great opportunity. Um, but there's also a lot of deals going on. If you keep an eye on our social media, you'll get an eye on some of the deals that are happening just this week. Uh, so, you know, this is usually a great time, for example, to buy a new JAWS license because in the UK, we don't have the home annual license, but you can buy an equivalent. It's so ridiculous. But basically you can buy, it's almost, I think, three years worth of JAWS for, this, for the same price as it would cost you for three years of a home annual license, which is about yes. $99 a year or something it's like that. It's crazy, isn't it? It, it is crazy. ridiculous you have to do it this way. But yeah. you can do it if you want something like that. You can also save money on Braille displays. You can save money on the Victor Reader at the moment. Humanware are doing a deal. Uh, you can save money across a lot of their line, actually, not just on that. But I was looking for one of the Daisy CD players the other day. And I saw those were on deal as well. Were you? Um, were you? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, from our, from our fingerprint Sorry. course for Braille. Because I thought, oh. this is, I, I can't be bothered trying to navigate this with my phone. This will just be, an, you know, you're thinking, how am I going to be able to navigate this and keep my hands on the Braille? Yes. Obviously, I still have to press the button on the thing, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Uh, okay. And also, it's on a CD. You just want to buy something. Fair I do. Enough. And I, I think fine. I'm at that stage. I just want to buy something, and I don't really care. <laughs> but I actually do quite like, I will say one thing. I remember having one of these years ago. It wasn't, was, maybe it was Vic, Victor Reader. I honestly can't remember. Uh, but it was one I got. It was one of the, remember the days, especially in the UK, where, you know, they would just turn up with these things and they would just give you these things. Oh, yes. And yes. you have no idea what they are. There was no instructions, no detail. What is it? No, 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 no idea. But, you know, if you turn it on, it talks. But it's for the blind. It You've says blind it. on it. <laughs> and actually, if I'd known then, if I knew then what I knew now, um, then oh. I would have known it was actually brilliant. Um, I wouldn't have given it away to a friend. I didn't get it. Did you oh, not? You said friend, sorry. No. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ow. <sighs> anyway, that was harsh. what were we talking about? Yeah, so Side Village. Right, so we were supposed to be there, but we're not there, obviously, right? And, you know, because of events recent for me and some other things as well, we, we decided we're not going to go. However, Tim Dixon is a regular listener to our show. He has a theory as to why we are not there. Hello, Tim Dixon here. Uh, aloft. 
the hotel next to the site village venue this year. Why are you whispering? And I have identified why Stephen and Sean are giving it a miss. Why is he the nearest KFC is over half a mile away. <gasps> How what? would you manage without KFC for that long, Stephen? Sean, I know, completely acceptable. Get why you're missing the venue now. <laughs> See you soon. That is a, a, a terrible slur, sir. That's absolutely not the case, although... I don't think you can defame someone when they're telling the truth, though. Well, well, well that's not the, the, the number one reason we're not there. It's not, the, one, it's not it, the number it one reason. It could be a contributing factor. It certainly is a contributing <laughs> factor. It would be for me, that's for sure. Uh, but the good news is Tim is there. And over the next couple of days, he is going to be joining us to tell us what's happening. He is uh, tweeting like crazy today, uh, and which is brilliant because we're getting to know what's going on. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cool because he said, you know, I'm going to be there. And I said, hey, why don't you record stuff? And then we don't need to go. Perfect. <laughs> when you Problem do our solved. work for us. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're part of the Double Tap family. Yeah, that's right. Just don't, you know, like most families, don't look for anything um, <laughs> and expect lots and lots of criticism and upset and uh, debate. <laughs> do you know what? That's, I am going to miss not meeting people. Really? I am, uh, yeah, 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 no, honestly, the opportunity to meet people like Tim and that, you know, mm. listeners and things at these things yeah, is really true. cool. It's really nice to you know, meet with people. So uh, Maybe next year. Yes, maybe next year. Um, okay, so uh, if you're enjoying Site Village, do let us know, and uh, you can tell us about your experiences there as well. We, like we say, we were hoping to be there. We, we did actually cancel it before events recent, but uh, yeah, it's a long story we're not going to get into, but essentially um, we just couldn't be there for uh, the event this year, which is unfortunate. But the good news is, like I say, we've got our trusty reporter on the ground. So if Tim comes up to you and says, hey, how are you doing? I'm going to interview you for Double Tap, then it is a genuine request. Yes, he is official unofficially. He is officially unofficial. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to mention a couple of things as well, because uh, I've, I've been talking a lot about Braille, and in fact, the, the conversation around Braille has just been ongoing. Two little nuggets I found at the weekend I wanted to mention to you. And this is one from Chris, who says, I've been uh, installing iOS 16.6 public beta 5. That is, I guess, the next iteration, maybe even the last iteration before 17 comes out. I'm not sure. Um, but Chris says, I've never put a beta on my phone before. My daily driver is now the Samsung Z Flip 3. Oh, Because I love to nice. play on both sandboxes. Do you know I've got one of those in the cupboard? I actually found it the other day. I'm surprised myself. Oh, I forgot I had this. You should be ashamed of yourself. I know. I really should maybe actually turn it on and use it. Is, is yes, it any good, yes, Chris? Is it any good? <laughs> is it? You really liked it when you first got it. I remember you, at least the form factor of it, you you were really yeah. quite smitten. If it ran iOS, it'd be great. Anyway, um, as for <laughs> the beta, I'm happy to say that in my experience using both the Cubreal and the Brilliant BIX displays, some bugs have been squashed. I turned on turn pages while panning in VoiceOver's Braille settings, and I'm now able to turn pages in both Kindle and Voice Stream Reader by simply using the thumb keys or scroll buttons. That's good. I have now ha uh, not had any trouble navigating around my phone, and typing emails is now not glitchy. The display and phone keep up with my 100-mile-an-hour typing. Focus, uh, that's kilometres, that's uh, 8 million kilometres. Mm -hmm. um, focus seems to be better maintained while relocating the cursor and edit fields. And while saying this, my focus did just jump to the top of the message window, but that has only happened once. Even with this, it looks like there is hope for those suffering Braille display woes with iOS 16.5. We'll see how Braille users fare when iOS 16.6 is released to the public. Well, that's good news. It's good to hear that there's improvements coming for Braille because it always feels like it's a little bit left behind. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, In our community, if, if there's something wrong with um, voiceover, we're all up in arms, but there's been so many long-standing bugs when it comes to Braille displays. I, I don't use a Braille display, so I don't encounter these. So they sort of go, well, not unreported, because that's unfair. You can read about them you know, in places like AppleViz, for example. But there's no denying that, that Braille is sort of overlooked a lot, even in our community, when it comes down to the bugs in iOS. So it's good to see that these are being fixed. Uh, well, I know you don't use a Braille display, but you do use NVDA. And if you had a Braille display, and I know you've got one in your vicinity, I know your good lady has one. Yeah, she she hides it from me. I, I think you might there. want to get it back. Oh? Because there's a feature here. So there's an add-on for NVDA called uh, Braille Extender. 
Now, I'm guessing these these all these add-ons come from a website, right? Yeah, that's right. The NVDA add-on directory. Yeah, you can get there simply by going to your NVDA settings. If you press the modifier key, which is usually caps lock or insert, and the letter insert. N. Yes, insert. Thank you. Uh, that will bring up your NVDA menu. Then go to Tools, T, and then go to Manage Add-ons, A. Uh, once that brings up a dialog box, you can tab around in there until you find a button called Get Add-ons. Hit space or enter on that, and it will take you to the website, and you can just browse through. There's so much on there. It's really good. Well, this particular Braille Extender add-on uh, now gives you an option to show a progress bar on your display of a bar of Braille which is growing across the display as the progress increases. Oh, that sounds... I'll be honest with you, that just sounds cool. I just does, want, doesn't I, it? I'm going to nick the Orbit Reader immediately. As soon as we finish this, I'm going to go and nick it and try that out. That sounds cool. I like that. And I think this is the kind of thing that we want to see, you know, kind of enhancing the use of Braille. You know, it doesn't necessarily just have to be Braille letters or Braille words. It could be, you know, experiences. As, as this writer on Mastodon has put, you know, this is an experiential thing. You could actually get more out of your display that gives you this information. You get that with flash messages and other things. So why not use the display for that? Um, yeah. Ah, that's great. So there you go. If you, if you want that kind of feature and you use NVDA with a Braille display, Braille Extender is the name of the add-on. Like Sean says, you can get it from the website. Now, we have been talking a lot about Braille. Darren has uh, chimed in with his voicemail on the subject. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. Uh, first of all, Stephen, I'm glad you've uh, take, taken your first uh, dive into the Arnaby Braille Library, physical library, that is, with the Braille books. This applies to people in the UK only. Um, as my understanding, you don't need to send the books back necessarily. I think because they're produced on demand, um, you can use them and then either pass them to someone else or just recycle them. Um, so you don't have to send them back. They send them to you um, basically however many books you want a year, whether you want one once a week, once a month, uh, that's how they work. Um, secondly, regarding the HumanWare Odyssey OCR machine that Grace spoke about last Saturday, it said that you could point your finger and it would read out. Well, that's going to be a bit tricky for somebody that can't see at all, but there you go. I don't know how that's going to work. I'm interested in that one. And as far as the Orbit Speak is concerned, I didn't realize there was going to be a charging structure. Basically, the more options you have, the more it's going to cost. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm a bit wondering about that one, so we'll have to see how that develops. Um, it, again, you're going to have to pay more just because you might want some things but not the others. It's not as simple as selecting exactly what you want. You, it's all in bundles by the sound of it. So, yeah, I'm wondering about that one, but we'll see. Anyway, this is Darren saying bye for now. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Yeah, thank you, Darren. And I'm with you on this. I, I kind of feel that the whole charging structure, having a you know standard version versus an elite version, I kind of feel it's a device that doesn't, I don't think it warrants all that. I think it's one device. Why would you need to create tiers of, and you know, we're not talking about features that are massively different. I mean, it's almost like they've looked at the iPhone and they've looked at the iPhone 14 and the 14 Pro and said, let's just do that. Let's have two versions. And I, I can kind of, you know, I can see the value in it, I guess, for an iPhone, but I don't see the value in it for a product like the Orbit Speak, which is ultimately, at its heart, a note taker. You know, having the book reader function, to me, would have been an obvious add-on to that. It wouldn't be something you would have to pay more for. So I don't know where they're going with that one. It is really tricky. I'm not sure how I feel. I mean, we mentioned when we talked about this, the Envision model as well when it comes to the Envision glasses. Yeah, the additions, isn't it? Yeah, the additions. The additions. Man. So, I mean, it's not unheard of. So, but basically what it comes down to is that this is just purely software level. It yeah. isn't uh, you're paying for extra hardware, you know, oh, this is a different device. It's the same device and you're paying to unlock certain features. I'm really not sure. It does make me slightly uncomfortable, but I can't really understand why it does. I mean, if, you are paying for extra stuff, so... If they had said... I'm 
you can buy the OrbitSpeak standard, which is audio output and real input. And then you had an elite version, which had a display on the front. I'd be all in on that. That oh, yeah, would make makes total, total sense. sense. Yes, of course. Of course. But, but, but it's this same thing, just a couple of bits unlocked. Ah, yeah, but that's the key, isn't it? A couple of bits. It's, it's what, uh, what, when is a major feature a major feature rather than just, oh, that's just an, uh, you know, something little, something minor? I don't know. Would you call the ability to read books a major feature? Yes, Can I be but honest? Sh- I, I think we're, we're feeling, I'm starting to get the feeling with all these tech companies now that they're kind of grappling with the, you know, essentially how to build a business model that works for them as well yeah. as for us. Yeah. You know, Envision, I feel this to some degree as well, because with the additions, you know, one of the things was that as of next year, people will start paying an amount of money per year or per month or whatever it is. I think it's per year, actually. You pay the, the $200 per year, I think, I think is how it works out. And you get extra features as they come. And if you don't pay the money, you don't get the features. You know, in that time, in that period, they have released a number of big features. And you kind of feel like they've maybe missed opportunities, but what's the reason for doing it this way? I'm just, I guess I'm confused as to what they're, they're up to here. I'm not suggesting anything weird going on. I just think they're trying to work out what is the best method for them to remain in business? Yeah, to make it sustainable. To and make I it totally sustainable. Understand. Which is, yeah, because look, there's no point. Look, we don't want to buy these products and then five minutes later, the whole company collapses and we're left with nothing. Because that's but what would happen, right? So, you same know, time, though, that initial price, I think, is at such a premium. Yeah. I think we, we should be, you know, grandfathered into at least three or even five years of updates i mean look this isn't new to us look at the smas for jewels yeah that's right um that only bought you so many updates right and um so this isn't a new thing but yeah it does make me slightly nervous i never was a fan of the smas myself no Hmm. but then we want products to continue we want products to be there how do you how do you navigate that and especially when you're dealing with a, a group of people who it's a small number of people these are not mainstream products so how do you get around that? I don't know. I honestly don't know the the right answer to this, but you know, it, it always feels like we're being stiffed for it, and I, I don't want to be right. But it's difficult because how do you maintain a business, but also sell to a community who the majority of which are unemployed? I would kind of expect the initial purchase price to be lowered substantially if I'm expected to either subscribe uh, for anything more than you know a couple of bucks a month. Uh, I would expect that initial cost, purchase cost, to cover R and D and this the you know, the small uh, market costs. I would expect that to be lowered a lot if I'm going to be paying every year for new features. Mm, let's let's see know. what uh, Lena has to say. Lena got in touch regarding the whole subject of learning Braille. Hey, double tappers, it's Lena. I'd like to weigh in on two questions: Should we wait for accessibility and Can middle-aged and older people learn Braille? I do not think we should wait any longer for accessibility. We have the tools to make the environment, products, and the web fully usable by everyone. As for learning Braille, can middle-aged people and older people learn Braille? Absolutely they can. It does take longer to learn when we're older Braille is tough, but we know how to practice. We know how to discipline ourselves. We know how to gather resources. We know how to reach out to others when we need help and encouragement. It is hard work, though. So if you are learning Braille, don't give up. Do give thanks that you can learn. Good luck, future Braille readers. Future Braille readers. Good <laughs> luck so to all nice. Thank you for that, Lena. It's true. I don't know if, if you could say that everyone knows how to, you know, be strict with themselves and because no. I, I just I can't. But, um, well I was yes. hoping to read this weekend, but that didn't happen. I'm no. not hugely surprised if I'm honest, but you know, I will get back into it uh, for sure. Uh, because you know, I have to say, picking up that book and just sitting down, even the, the little bit of frustration at the start, kind of worth it in the long run yeah yeah so um, yeah anyway look we continue with this topic and more on Double Tap next 
Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Yeah, let's get back to your emails. E.T. has been back in touch. Hi, Double Tappers. Sorry, it's another email rant about audio description, or lack of it, here in the UK on certain platforms. Sky, I'm talking about you. I really want to watch Succession with audio description, but with Sky having no audio-described content available on demand or catch-up, I feel I'm missing out. I know there is some legislation on audio description coming in the UK, but these things seem to take forever, and then who knows how good that legislation will be and how long it will take to get properly implemented. I believe that in the US, programmes on HBO Max, such as Game of Thrones, have audio description, but we don't have this service in the UK. I know there is nothing we can really do to make Sky get their act together on this, but it is very frustrating. Apple does a pretty good job with having audio description for movies, but it would be really good if it could also be added to TV shows such as Game of Thrones, Succession and Stephen's favourite, The Sopranos. I don't know the cost of adding AD tracks to movies and TV shows, but when these tracks already exist, surely something could be done. Or am I perhaps wanting too much? When I was younger, there was no audio described content and now there is. When you watch something that doesn't have it, you miss it. I suppose I just get a little aggrieved when subtitles are so readily available on practically everything and AD is not. Take care all. Elliot from a sunny but windy pool. I said E.T. It was Elliot. I beg your pardon. I've shortened you down to E.T. And of course, the original E.T. will not be happy. In fact, no. he'll be calling in soon because, you know, that's what E.T. does. He likes to call people. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the same old story we've had so many times before. Um, I, I don't know what we need to do to get audio description taken seriously as part of production, as part of the package that is sent out for broadcast or whatever, or on demand, because it should be seen as part of mixing Dolby or surround sound. It's exactly the same. It's part of the production I don't know what the answer is, but it's, it's something we just keep banging our heads against. It's just a third-party problem. You know, the other companies are involved in bringing it or creating it for the broadcaster. The problem is that the people who are making the movie have got no part to play in it. And that's ultimately the biggest part of the problem, that, you know, the scripting really should come. I mean, you imagine if the director... I'd love to talk to, like, Steven Spielberg about this or, you know... A, a, oh, insert, send him an email. Yeah, or another big director <laughs> and say, Wait, you know, Tim. do you realise that essentially the the visuals for your story are being portrayed by someone who you don't know, right? So you're the director of this movie. You have this movie in your mind. Like take this Oppenheimer movie that everyone's talking about. Now, that is going to be a visual spectacular, no doubt at all. But what does that sound like to us? What does that look like to us? The decision for that is not taken by the director, Christopher Nolan. It's taken no. by someone else, somewhere else in a different company, in a different place, and may give the wrong impression. I have, I mean, I've seen so many movies where the audio description is poor. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it really does dampen the experience of the movie. Even, well, even, perhaps, even the mixing alone can do that, right? I mean, yeah, the mixing oh, absolutely. Not good. Oh, you can't hear the times. audio description over the explosion or whatever else it may be. Well, maybe that's the answer. We make it part of legislation and, and it's down to the actual production staff themselves. It's nothing to do with the channels that actually publish the media. It should be down to the production. So I think you're right. I mean, these directors and producers take so much care and pride in how it's all presented, then this is part of that presentation, surely. You know, the answer is, yeah, that's it. That is the answer, though. Make it their problem. Make them realise that this is actually their work that is being tarnished by this. You know, there's a great great phrase I live by, which is nothing's mm -hmm. a problem until it happens to you, right? <laughs> Nothing. And, and it's just, it is so true. You know, the amount of people say to you, oh, this is a problem, or that's a problem, or this is an issue, or that's an issue. And then you go, yeah, yeah, whatever. And it happens to you, and you go, goodness me, that was terrible. Oh, the worst. Oh, the, I demand to Does speak to the manager this immediately. Is this yeah. is terrible. <laughs> Done with that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and, and that's so true. And I have had so many experiences like that in my life. Because of vision, right? Because, you know, as I've lost vision over time, I've heard blind people talk about this challenge and that challenge and the next challenge. And then until it happens to you and you go, that's terrible. It's a nightmare. <laughs> that's so right. I think yeah. maybe we need to do some of that with these, these movies. Maybe that's the way, almost begin the conversation with 
you know, these top-level directors. So if anyone has the chance to speak to a director, if anyone here happened to speak to <laughs> Steven Spielberg in a pub one night, uh, mention it to him, right? Um, because I think, I think that would be, that'd be good. But, you know, again, part of that, if I'm, you know, being serious for a second about this, is that when journalists go and interview, the majority of these journalists are not disabled. If, in fact, I'd probably bet most of them aren't disabled. No. So they don't bring up these conversations. We they should have be allowed, the opportunity, but they don't do it. We should be allowed in those press junkets, and that's yeah. the only question we'd ask. Is this audio described, and what's it like? Have you listened yeah. to it? Uh, let's go to Gordon, because he wants to talk about the Seeing AI World feature that you were talking about recently. Hello, Double Tappers. I was very interested to hear Sean say that he thought setting up a starting point for an indoor journey was very simple with Seeing AI. It may sound simple, but I don't think the practical use of this app is something I'd like to test in public. Imagine, if you will, that you have just entered an unfamiliar building. You want to record the route to a room within that building. To begin, you need to turn in circles, waggling your phone up and down to allow it to capture an image of your surroundings. By the time you've turned in three complete circles, you are likely to find yourself being escorted outside by security, or perhaps have a following of would-be magicians who think you are performing some sort of arcane ritual. And remember, if you have a guide dog with you, it will need to spin around with you. Then, if you are permitted to go deeper into the building, you record a route. So far, so good. But, if you want to find your way back to the main entrance, you can't use Seeing AI because the route only works in one direction. So you need to repeat the entire process, creating a separate route for the return journey. Once you've done all this, everything should be fine for your next visit to that building, but I honestly think Clue is well ahead of Seeing AI for indoor navigation. Again, the start process can take a few moments, but at least the directions are very clear and you can follow a created route in reverse. I must admit, I feel a bit like Negative Julian having given that review, but I'm a grumpy old geezer in my own right, as my family will happily testify. <laughs> All the best for now. Gordon from Scotland. Wow, thank you, Gordon. I, I, I take that point completely, but I do find it more um, thorough, that process of creating a starting point using seeing AI. I totally understand it is slightly weird that you've got to take a 360 panoramic video almost of your surroundings, but I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't feel too embarrassed by doing that. I'll be quite honest with you. I would have no problem in doing that. The I, I do think that the clue is far more mature when it comes to actual the routes and the retracing and going, you know, the reversal of those routes to go back. Absolutely. But I just assume because let's not forget seeing AI is in beta. This is a preview, as they call it. So I would expect that to come along, that you could just simply follow the track backwards. I would hope so anyway. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think there's there's something to, to gain from both. And I, personally, it's just a personal opinion, I did really like the Seeing AI method of marking that starting point. But Clues wasn't too bad either, I'll be honest with you. Mm. Okay, uh, Janine got in touch with an email um, about ancient tech. Hi, Double Tap crew. I was recently at the ACB convention. Not having done so before leaving home, I wanted to write some notes for my presentation on Ira. The day before leaving, I searched valiantly for my postcard slate used when I write such notes on index cards. But being certain I had at least two of them, I was very unhappy to discover that I have none. Where they went, who knows? I caught my cat playing with and trying to hide my single line slate, so she is suspect number one. <laughs> and yes, my cat, a rather large and curious buff tabby could carry a slate of just about any size. I figured, this being a blindness convention, that there would be some vendor at the exhibit hall selling slates. I brought my favourite stylus, so no need for that. I became a regular pain in the posterior asking everyone if they knew any vendor selling or being willing to lend me a slate. Guess what? There was no vendor, to my or many other people's knowledge, selling basic braille equipment. There was a ton of braille tech there, displays, 80-cell workstations that made me salivate, but no slates. It was very, very weird. I finally was able to borrow an old Perkins brailer. It took me a while to remember how to put the paper in, but once that was done, I was off. My notes were finished and the world was good. Here in my home, I have a variety of slates, including a full-page slate. It's made of inexpensive plastic, though, and I'm always afraid I'll crack it in the suitcase or computer bag. That's why I like the postcard slates and index cards. I also have the Versa Braille and love it, but 20 characters per line won't do for notes. Great for login info, phone numbers and such, though. Next year in Jacksonville, I sincerely hope to find at least one company actually displaying and selling slates and styli. 
Onto a concept I think Sean mentioned about being able to generate Braille via our phone screens through haptic feedback. That would be amazing. I went through training to get an Opticon way back in the day. An Opticon is a camera that you run over printed material. This camera is connected to a box about the size of an old cassette recorder. Inside the box is a screen on which you put usually your right index finger, though I could do it with both left and right, and I read Braille better with my left hand. This screen has a grid of 36 pins that vibrate and convey the prints seen by the camera. You can tell fonts, position on the page, italics, bolds, a lot of features of text. The Opticon may still be available, I don't know. They updated it back in the early 90s, I think, to a 5x5 display, larger pins, but less definition. I did not like it, so abandoned my quest for one. It's a very cool device, though. The one I trained with could even mount the camera on a typewriter so you could see if you made mistakes or were running out of ink. So there you go. Me wishing for ancient tech while cleaning out a box of cables, chargers and other crap from not-so-ancient tech. Janine and her crumpled fedora. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just to the point about the Versa Slate, um, interestingly enough, I spotted in the new product guide for RNIB in the shop, they are now selling that. They're selling the Versa paperless Braille Slate. So you don't need the paper anymore. You can erase this and just use it again. Uh, which is kind of cool. It's an 80-cell Braille slate. Wow. Um, yeah, that's actually pretty cool for, for people who want to take quite notes with stuff like that. Um, comes in at uh, $89.99 uh, with a, an wow. alternative protective leather case for another twenty nine ninety nine. dollars oh, Come on. I, I have to say, you know me, I, I love an accessory. I can't lie. <laughs> I love an accessory, so that appeals to me greatly. Never tried this Braille slate thing. I'm kind of intrigued by it. No, it's it's something that that I kind of missed, so I, I don't really. I've I've never used one. Um, but it's interesting though that as Janine said, there was nowhere there to actually get this. What would you call this? Tech? I wouldn't call it retro. I mean, no, it, it's, it's not, kind it's of not. It, basic. Seems a little bit dismissive, but Do you know it, it, feels, is? it feels like stationary, doesn't it? It feels like buying paper yeah, and pens. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Yeah, Braille stationery. Let's set up that website right now. <laughs> we should sell these things. <laughs> the amount of times we've said, let's set up R, yes. and then either forgotten it. <laughs> or just can't be bothered. I can't, I can't be bothered either. Can't be I've got so many great ideas, but if someone else could just do them, yes. you can have a f- oh. 3% cut. <laughs> well done. <laughs> it was going to be 5 or 50, but now it's 3. And the Shark Tank just changed his mind. Um, right, let's uh, let's hear from Mary who got in touch and has a few things she wants to say. Again, I should say Laura reads our emails. Hello. To log into threads, first off, it's inaccessible. Then I told Mm. myself it's Facebook. What did I expect? (laughs) There is a link on how to get your Perkins Brailler fixed across many countries. This is on Hadley's website under Brailers and Resources. I'm hoping it takes Mm. you directly to the site. There are people that can do what you do, just not with so much style. Just not with so much style and humour. Oh, thank you. Wow. <laughs> thank you, Mary. Short and sweet. Yes, very sweet. Thank you so much, Mary. And yeah, look, there's definitely places out there you can get your Perkins machine fixed. But um, the, the few places that I've tried this, the, the waiting list has been quite amazing and the cost has been quite quite high as well. Um, but hey, you know, we're, we're used to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's that's good. And that link was actually in uh, Mary's email. So we will put that into the show notes and we will give you a chance to find that because, yeah, it would be good if you do have a, Bra- a Perkins Brailler. Maybe you have one and it's broken and you think, mm, I'd love to use that again, but how would I even go about getting it fixed? Well, yeah, there's that, the link. That's you, Especially if you've got the tech or if someone can get you, a, if someone says to you, I have a Perkins you could have, but it doesn't work. You know, because that's often the way it works with us, yeah, isn't it? There's exactly. a lot of there's a lot of moving tech around to get people to to get you know a handle on this. Because I had the same thing when I was doing my braille class. I had a spare one that actually, when I worked at the time, uh, someone had dropped off a number of them and they were all broken. We got them fixed, and then we were able to get them out to people who needed them for their braille course, and that really helped them. You know, and that's that's what I was going to say. Some of these site loss organisations actually uh, do have services where you can get them fixed for free or a minimal donation as well. So that's always worth a try. But again, it's the, the waiting time. See, what often, what often happens is people will go to, so say, for example, I don't know, a grandfather passes away and the family are looking through the stuff and they find the Braille, you know, he, the, the Braille Perkins Braille or whatever. Yeah. 
they will take it into a charity and they'll say, yep. here, look, you, you take this because someone else might benefit from it. And that's often how it happens. Now, sometimes if the organisation was smart enough, and this particular one was, they were able to say, we're going to put them aside, we're going to get them fixed, and we're going to find people who can benefit from this. And they worked with me on it, and we found some people. And of course, because I was part of that Braille class at the time, you know, I had access to lots of people who were wanting to get their hands on because they wanted to practice at home, but they couldn't. And the idea of buying one of these was just too much. Yeah, it just it seems. <sighs> so I've been watching with interest this whole NLS reader story in the states. You know, the, these twenty cell Braille displays that you can now access if you're you're blind in America and you want to get hold of one of these so you can read your books and. I guess from their perspective, it's a lot more efficient than sending out big Braille books, right? That's the bottom line here. Way more efficient to send out one of these units and just email a file. That's Absolutely. it. Or just download it, it directly onto sense. the device, right? Yeah. Why are, why are other countries not rushing to do this? Why are we not seeing that in the UK? Why are we not seeing this in Canada? I want to see this around the world. I want to see this rolled out as a global thing. Because this is... As, as important to blind people as reading and writing is to children. We hear about reading and writing, and it's always interesting when you hear mainstream arguments. You know, whenever I have this conversation with sighted friends, and I say, well, why would you feel? Because often I'll get, well, isn't Braille dead? Braille's dead. Braille's done. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. All, it's all computers now, right? It's all talking computers. And I say, well, yeah, but did your child learn to read and write? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> I don't want my child not to be able to read and write. Uh-huh. Well, Neither do we for our kids who are blind. We don't want that. I don't want kids to grow up without the ability to read and write. And not learning Braille achieves that. If you, if you do not learn Braille, you are not learning to read and write. It's as simple as that. Yeah, but uh, the question here is, is the printed material superior or better than using some sort of device like the NNS and LS? Um, well, it comes down to resources, though, doesn't it? So if you, basically, it would not be sustainable, and I don't even know in the UK if it would be sustainable to continue the, the library as is with, with printing out these books all the time. Well, is that a sustainable what, future? Uh, yeah, I, 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 it seems wrong to me. I mean, I know it's changed recently, right? They used to have a big library of books you would, they would send out and you would send back. Um, I know that's changed. So they just print out the books per demand, as far as I know, and you that's keep right, them, yeah. right? But still, it seems like a, you know, what was that, 24 volumes of your book or whatever. It just seems like a almost wasteful to do it that way when there is this other way, the digital way where you could store and send and retrieve the, the sending of the, the books and the actual storage of the books is so much simpler electronically. And also, I should just add, just for extra clarity on this one, that book I requested in that format, I could have said, send me a BRF file and that would be fine. I chose not to because I wanted to have the physical book. And it's probably the one and only time I'll do that. After that, I'll probably go down to, uh, you know, I'll not go down to, but I'll, I will choose to go for a but BRF file. Why yeah. did you want the physical book? I just wanted to read in peace and, and, and take my time over it. I think the problem I have with the Braille display is I have to learn to navigate it. Yes. Whilst trying to layer. learn to read the Braille. That's true. That is true. I, I don't You've got want to get that the hassle. media on there, off there. You know, bring up what you want to read. Um, so there is that extra layer of obstruction. I still, I still like. have my Perkins sitting over here. It's sitting over here on the desk, and it is still my note taker. And it probably will be for a very long time. And it's funny, isn't it? With all this tech that's coming along, and and I I don't know what the answer to this is. And I hope someone can help me with this. And I know we're probably going to end up going back around in circles on this topic again, but. It just I think the problem for me is there's a disconnect between the ability to have a Braille display. Okay, so that's one thing. If you do get one, great. But then there's the disconnect between it and the tech itself. Now, I will say, I think it's much easier to navigate a smartphone with a Braille display, just in my own experience, than trying to figure out how to navigate around Windows. But then I suppose it's maybe a different function with something like Windows. I'm getting the impression that most people probably don't use it as a navigational tool, they use it more for writing, for mathematics. They're, they're using it to check things. Mm. That's why the Braille is so important. Also for Braille input, for a lot of people, as we've heard on the show, a lot of people find it quicker to input via Braille versus QWERTY. And, you know, that's a, that's a very much a personal choice. 
But I'm realizing that with a computer, it's less about navigation, essentially hands on the device, and that's it. It's more about checking, reading, you know, clarifying text, making sure it's, it's formatted properly. For a lot of people in, in admin or, you know, someone who works in accountancy or someone who's a lawyer needs to check these these details are correct. It's not like you and I sending an email, right? If there's a spelling mistake in it between <laughs> us, who cares? No, it's absolutely, you're right. I mean, I'm thinking of coding. I mean, yeah, that's the, right. the, the difference between a program running and a program crashing could be something as simple as a we'll semicolon stop. at the end of a statement. Yeah. And uh, do, using a screen reader to try and check, you know, a thousand lines of code, quite frankly, is a nightmare. But there's something different about using Braille, that tactile nature of it. There's something different about that. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Braille isn't dead. It's as simple as Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, that, that, that debate is over for me. In fact, yes. I almost think it's a, it's a bit of an immature debate these days because it doesn't make any sense. No. No, you're it, right. It's, it's, and I think that, again, it's the back to the point I made earlier about nothing affects you in life until it happens to you. Um, I don't think if you, if you don't use Braille, if you're not someone who cares much about Braille, and never uses it, then you won't think it's important. I suppose I didn't for a long time. I, th- I suppose I thought, well, you know what, whatever. I mean, we could just, I, I think I'm, I'm probably on record somewhere as saying, let's just bin all this Braille stuff. <laughs> you know, we don't need well, all I'm this. I'm sure there's a, a, a debate that could be had. I'm sure there's people out there who will say, actually, what is the need for it? I'm sure there is a conversation we could have. I would love to have that with someone who wants to bring that forward. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah look, I, I don't use Braille every day at all. Um, rarely use Braille, but through the conversations and the interactions that I've had, I, I know and I realise how important it is, especially in something like employment. Yeah, absolutely. Just realise we're out of time, so we must go or Wait. Mr F will not be happy. Uh, but uh, listen, stick around because we have more to come on this topic and lots more. Plus, Tim Dixon is uh, taking our place as Site Village this week. Uh, he is uh, going to be reporting for us. We'll catch up with him tomorrow, find out what he's been uh, seeing over the first day of Site Village, which is today in Birmingham in England. And uh, we'll catch up with him to find out uh, all of his thoughts. Plus, more of your feedback coming in, as always, to feedback at doubletaponair.com. It means a lot. Keep it coming. one 803 4567 is our number. You can call us, leave a voicemail there. We'll get to that on tomorrow's show. That's it for today. Thank you, Sean. Have a great Monday. Thank you. Bye-bye. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.